Brothers and sisters of the barbecue world, Cowboy Kev here welcoming you to another episode of Man Meat Barbecue with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is proudly sponsored by Fire and Smoke Barbecue. If you're looking for a new seasoning, head over to fireandsmokebbq.com. We ship nationwide or pick up a catering menu for those of you in the Chicago area. Also brought to you by Myron Mixon Smokers. If you're a caterer competition or just a backyard cooker, we have the smoker for you. Go check them out at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And now, here is your host, Mikey K. Hey, we are hanging out with head pitmaster of Tino Smokehouse. Chris, thank you so much for coming out. If you're looking to check them out, guys, it's Tino Smokehouse on Instagram across probably most of the social medias. I'm going to spell that out. It's T-A-I-N-O Smokehouse, just so we're all clear. Chris, dude, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, coming to hang out with us and chat barbecue, uh, cause that's kind of what we, what we're doing. So <laughs> thank you so much. And, uh, dude, you got some beautiful food. Um, if you guys follow our boy, Cowboy Kev for a minute, he was, he was working with, he was working for you on Sundays. I know he was kind of moonlighting there a little bit. Absolutely. And, um, it, it, he, he, Kev does a lot. So, um, unfortunately that that's been taken off his plate, uh, probably for his, his better mental health. And, um, you know, he, he can kind of focus on some of some other stuff, but man, what brought you into the restaurant industry? That's kind of what I want to start this off with. I know we'll talk a little bit more about you too. Uh, but, but I think you have a really cool, passionate story about what brought you into it. Yeah, man. I just want to say thank you for having me on the show and, uh, thank you to Kev. He was our Sunday morning guy and, uh, it was nice having him there. You know, he, he has a passion for it. So it definitely showed and he, he's a really good guy and uh i was surprised i looked at your website and i was like man he's really involved with you guys yeah yeah and i didn't realize how involved he was so i'm really getting a kick out of this <laughs> so um how do i get in the restaurant business well i have a passion for for food and for fire you know i think uh in my neighborhood growing up we we were a lot of there was a lot of pyro stuff going on so uh we grew up in Middletown, Connecticut, and uh, there's a university here, Wesleyan University. So we had a lot of neighbors who who were either working at Wesleyan, were uh, professors, or they uh, or they knew someone. So it was all it was a very very liberal, eclectic uh, town. And uh, so, like, I had one buddy who his uh, father was the chair of the math department, and uh, you know they were growing weed in the basement, you know, at ten years old, and. Uh, he was calculating quantum Fantastic. physics on a yellow pad and, and did until the day he died, you know, like just really deep, crazy thinkers. But that same kid, you know, at 15 years old was making napalm, you know, you put the, some styrofoam and gasoline and, uh, you know, we were painting up the streets, couldn't put it out. And we just had a love for fire, you know, and, um, and barbecue and food, you know, for me, it's almost like a, uh, everyone's got their vice, right? Some people, it's gambling, drugs, women, whatever it might be. And for me, it's food, you know. I love to eat and always have, you know. I eat to fill the hole in my soul and my stomach, you know. Okay. So I feel great when I just jam myself with food, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So there's nothing better to than starting a pit up and, uh, 
And when I used to smoke cigarettes, just sitting there smoking some cigarettes and just watching that fire is just awesome. But yeah, we we drove cross country. Um, I went to school for uh, computer science, so I became a software engineer for like nine, ten years. And uh, and that went by fast. You know, when you when you dedicate yourself to a career, um, it goes by fast. Life goes by fast. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I had taken a couple cross country trips. Um. And there was something about, and if any of you have not done it, it is one of the most beautiful things you can do in life. Just hop in a car and just take a month, two months, however long you can go for it, and just go see this beautiful country. It is absolutely amazing. And uh, I think when you get over the Missouri, the Missouri River, there's an energy you feel. I don't know if it's an energy or a feeling. And just out west, those national parks in South Dakota, Utah, you know, from Seattle to San Diego on that route one, there's just an energy out there and it's just like, it's God's country and the food you're eating, you know, you're having bison in Wyoming and this and that. It's just, it just feels so special on the East coast. You know, we don't get like big vistas. We don't get mountains. So we take the earth for granted out here. You know, you yeah. go out there and you're like, you, it puts everything in perspective. It's very, very powerful. Um, so fell in love with food. And uh, and had a family situation, so where we had a little rent we could have gotten for like six fifty a month, six months for free. We're like, let's open up a barbecue place. And my father would go down there. He had a stroke, and uh, thought, oh, he could go fill salt and pepper shakers. My grandma's getting old. We kind of didn't treat. We didn't even really treat it seriously, you know. And then he ended up in a convalescent home. My grandmother passed away, and so we're like, oh, we we're gonna have to run this then. <laughs> and. Uh, in the corporate world, they're like, listen, just go try it. If it doesn't work out, you can come back. So it was a fairly low-risk thing, and uh, and we're still doing it. Hey, that's – that. I mean, that's a beautiful story. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, the family family issues are always kind of there, right? But um, it's a beautiful story being able to say, you know, that this happened, and I, I was – you were fortunate enough to to make it work. And yeah. why did you guys decide barbecue? What, I mean, you could have done a diner. You could have done, um, you could have done anything. And, and unfortunately, I mean, fortunately for you, barbecue is amazing. But like, there, there's not, there's not much more of a tougher cuisine that you can fucking pick. So, <laughs> you know, I got into barbecue for one reason. That's because my father is the cheapest man alive. So growing up, we'd go camping for two weeks. You know, I I had to stay in a hotel till I was like seventeen years old. And uh, and one of these camping trips, we'd go to this place called Sockle River. It's uh, it's up in New Hampshire and Maine. It's like a four foot deep sand river, and you just canoe down. You're in the middle of the woods, and you every time the river takes a bend, there's a beach. So you pull up to the beach, and uh, and you have to make a big fire, and you have to cook on that fire. I mean, that's the only way. There's there's no facilities. You're out in the middle of the woods, you know. Yep. And you might be out there for three four days. So from day one, it was the fire aspect. And it's like what food – I love spaghetti and meatballs, but what food deals with fire in and out? It's besides like a wood-fired pizza place, and it's barbecue, you know. But we didn't just go for the smokers. We actually went with like the wood-fired grill, and we built these fire pits outside. You know, it's just, just burning fire. So, And, uh, you know, it's a cuisine from a business perspective. You know, we probably have – in my town right now, there's probably 47 Italian restaurants. And so if you win Italian, it's not really a good business move, you know? It doesn't yeah. make sense. 
But you go down south, like you go to Texas, you know, you've got a million Mexican restaurants, but not a lot of Italian at all. You know, kind of it flip flops down there. So barbecue was just the um, it just seemed to be the right move. It's like everything I loved and it made sense from a business perspective, you know. And I had a little experience like my in college, my roommate uh, got the La Cochina, the box there. Yeah, we, uh, we went to the butcher. We bought a pig. And by the time we were done burning that pig up, I think we spent two fifty, and we got like uh, maybe three pounds of meat out of it for a party of fifty. So we totally screwed it up. But uh, killed but it was that pig, huh? <laughs> it was a little tiny pig, maybe a forty uh, pounder. We screwed it up bad. But uh, but you know, we learned. You know, anyone barbecuing the first time, I don't think they nail it day one. No, dude, I remember some of those briskets that I made, and um, oh. They were not, uh, they were not good. <laughs> like they yeah. were not even acceptable. Yeah. Briskets are tough, man. I, for me, I think for the general public, for competitors, I think, uh, I think briskets are the toughest. I mean, we, we competed KCBS, we've hosted KCBS and, uh, briskets, you know, you go up to 18 hours and you get that 20 minute window to pull it out. So it's easy to go over, go under, you know? It, you know what, it, 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 yeah, like you're saying, you got that window and you have that fine line where either you totally screwed it up or, man, that was perfect. And there's not much, there, there, there's not much in between. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, you're just like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, shit. Well, there that goes. <laughs> Yeah, you either get meat spaghetti or it's tough as nails, you know, rubber bands. You know, this this last um, weekend, actually, on me, I was – we do so we do chopped brisket at our pop-ups. The reason we do chopped brisket is because doing sliced brisket, it's, it's a little bit more – it's a little harder at breweries uh, with the setup that we have. Chopped brisket tends to hold a little bit longer. And the other thing that I the, – the other reason that I do it for is being – where we're at, most people don't understand the difference between, you know, the flat and the point. So if you tell them like, Hey, do you want fatty or lean? They're almost nine times out of 10 going to say, I want, I want lean. Right. Yeah. Not knowing, it, yeah. not knowing that the flavor comes from the fatty part. Um, and that's kind of the best part, not kind of, it is the best part, but, um, they're going to give you the, you know, lean, lean, lean all day long and then tell you that it's dry, that it's not, you know, that it wasn't as good as the brisket they had somewhere else that was chopped or whatever. So we chop it so that, so that you get both, both parts of it, right? Unknowingly, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone's super happy with it. They're like, oh my God, it's the most moist brisket I've ever had. It's so amazing, blah, 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 blah. It's just so we can keep it a little bit longer. And, um, you know, this last brisket, I was chopping it and, uh, it, I felt it like just tighten up on me. Oh. And I'm like, oh my God. Fuck. You know what I mean? Like, because what are you going to do? It's not like you can be like, you know what? Screw it. We'll make another one. You know what I mean? Like, you, you don't have that option. So the fact that you're chopping it, I mean, it gives you a little bit of leeway, no? It, it did. Chop- it gave, gave me a little bit of leeway. But like, one of my good buddies came out. 
um, and he's a, he's a barbecue guy, and he he cooks barbecue, and he's like he get he's like I'll have the brisket. I'm like, you're like, uh-uh. Do you have to? <laughs> and he's like, it was a little tight. He's like, it wasn't bad. He's like, it wasn't horrible. He's like, but it was a little tight. I'm like, I know. I felt it tighten up on me. He's like, he's like, it wasn't bad. He's like, it was probably still better than most of pe- most people's briskets. Yeah. So like when you say tight, just a little chewy, right? A little chewy. Yeah. But like, you know so, how, you know what I mean? Like when you're slicing and you just kind of feel that, feel, get a, yeah. just under that knife and you're, you're like, this isn't, this isn't like, this isn't like it normally is. And that, that only really comes from the fact that like, dude, you know what I mean? Like we do so many damn briskets. Like I, I just cook so many of them now that it's like I can feel it under my knife. It it, yeah. it takes time. It takes time and rep- repetition to do that. Now what? Now in Chicago, how huh, they still have an education issue out there. It sounds like half of America still doesn't really get brisket. Half think, does, half yes. doesn't. I think that's a big part of it. And what are you smoking on? What uh? What... I'm, I'm smoking on a Meyer mixing H two O. All right, beautiful. Is it uh? Is that an assist or no? Uh it is not. It's not. So you're manually out there yep. stro- stoking this thing for yep. hours and hours and hours. Yep. Yeah. So that's 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 a really hard job, man. That's tough. Yeah, and it it is there there's no gas assist on mine. Um it's a fantastic smoker. It really is. I love the thing. Um and it, it it's just it puts out great product. That's one of the things that I love about it is it, it really puts out a beautiful product. Yeah. I, I almost made the mistake of going with a manual smoker and my, my original guy we hired, original pitmaster. we, I had this, this smoker built a custom smoker. It was like a nine foot long, eight foot tall box. You could probably smoke three, 200 pound hogs in it, you know? Nice. And we hired a pitmaster from Hill Country in New York City. Okay. And uh, his name was Pete Diversa. And I got to give him a lot of credit because he definitely knew his shit, and I'm sure he's out there right now slinging barbecue, and I know it's amazing. But he basically looked at me and said, are you out of your mind? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, Let's, this is the craft. We got to go like stick burner here, like all we're going for, you know, up all night. Let's do this. He goes, you're going to last like a couple weeks, and then we're going to drop dead. <laughs> he's like, if that happens, and someone's got to be here, and it can't be like – You can't, can't be a moron, unfortunately. Yeah, like, when, you're, when you're driving home on Saturday night from the KCBS competition – Everyone wants to go to bed and they go, you know, it's so exhausting. Yeah. Just from one, a couple days of cooking with just two guys, three guys. Imagine doing that six days a week. It's just, it's very, very difficult. So I got to give kudos to anyone running those manual pits because I know how exhausting it is. I will say that we are, we are, um, I do cook a little hotter and faster. Um, so with that being said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going overnight with my briskets. Uh, oh. I'm starting them at about two in the morning, which isn't much better. <laughs> no, it's still tough. <laughs> so um, it, it's not much better. Like two, two, three in the morning, depending on depending on the, the fact like of what time service we're doing it. You know, um, now we are looking to do a trailer um, and be able to be open a couple more days a week. And on that trailer, what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to actually put a gravity feed on it. So yeah, do the gravity feed. Yeah, from a business perspective, now from a business perspective, yeah, it makes sense for you to have more energy and run your business. But yes. from the craft, like if you want the most banging barbecue you ever had, yeah, it's gonna come from some poor sucker that's up all night, you know. But I mean, and you gotta you gotta look at it too. I mean, there, there's so many places even down in Texas that are smoking their barbecue the day before. 
And yeah, like we um, what is it? Uh, we went to um, Driftwood, Texas. There, what's the name of that place? Oh my God, the Salt Lake. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was talking to old Buzz Saw, the pitmaster, and he's like, "Yeah, we got tons of old hickories. We smoke them, chill them, and then put them on the pit for for serving." So yeah, they, yeah. which I thought was insane, but it works for them. They're one of the biggest in the country, so yeah. The, you know they're, they're doing it, and um, I have found when I when I have done that, um, sometimes I get almost a better product. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it just has something to do with like that that it kind of cools down completely and it re- it really gives it like almost more rest time. I don't know. You know what was better the next day for me or out of the freezer? Spaghetti sauce. And I don't know why, but it always tastes better when it was frozen and then defrosted. <laughs> and I yeah, and I don't know if that's just like because the the flavor has time to kind of kind of go into it i don't know i don't know what it is um i know that way we do so we do smoked wings right and we were kind of trying to rack our brains and being like how do we do smoked wings inside of a bar that doesn't have a grease trap that doesn't have you know um isn't really set up for food in any way shape or form so how do we kind of create this and not deal with hot grease Right, because I mean, do you guys you guys have fryers at the restaurant, right? Yeah, so we yeah we would deep fry or uh, wood fire grill the wings. But I mean, fryers are they're a pain in the ass if you got to move them. Oh yeah, you can't. Yeah, you're not trying to move a fryer around. No, exactly. So it's like okay, so what do we do? So we ended up getting um, we ended up getting air fryers. Oh no, kidding, dude! They work fantastic. Besides the fact that they take too long, um. They're just they're too long in the process, but otherwise they get the skin super crunchy. They're super great. Um, so we we rock wings every once in a while, and everyone loves them. Like people people have came come up to me and they're like, "You have ruined wings for me <laughs> for life." They're like, "Because I don't want any other type of wing besides a smoked and fried wing." Yeah, they're like because you get that flavor, like you get the smoke flavor. And then you get that beautiful, you know, crunchy skin. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're hit with that sauce or that skin first and then it's the deep smoked flavor. And so when you smoke, when you cook those wings, do you do like a batch and then run them out? Like yeah. how long does it take you to air fry them? Uh, six minutes. Yeah. Well, that's not so bad. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's long, but. It's long. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If you're jamming out and you got a big line, six minutes might jam you up a little bit, right? Yeah, it definitely jams us up a little bit. We run two air fryers, so we can do uh, two batch, or we can do one batch in each in each air fryer. Or I'm sorry, two batches in each air fryer. So technically, I can do four batches within six minutes. So it's not horrible, but it's not like I mean, if I was dropping them into a deep fryer, it'd be maybe two minutes, maybe yeah. batch, right? Um, keeping that grease nice and hot, three seventy five, four hundred. Um, Believe it or not, we, ours will take a little longer. We got the uh, we get the five to eight, so we get the the, the monster uh, wings there, and some okay. of these freaking chicken wings are so heavy that sometimes we end up going four a minutes bit longer. Yeah. yeah. So but we do. People love the big wings, you know. We do, yeah. Oh, absolutely. We do the barbecue. We do barbecue brunches. So uh, what we do is I do I do spins on uh, on I basically take brunch foods like breakfast foods and do a spin with barbecue on them, right? 
Very cool. So we do ch smoked chicken and waffles. Oh, no kidding. How's that go with the uh, maple syrup and everything? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No that shit. Dude, people love it. Because our rub, our rub has a little bit of a spice kick to it. Um, so when you have that kick, that smokiness, and then that sweetness... They're like, dude, it just, it all, it hits all those senses and it's just, it, it just, it, 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 it hits. They're like, oh, it's man. so good. I'm going to have to try that. You do, you do. Yeah, dude, try it. And then we just, you know, we make the waffles on site to order uh, the waffles. I mean, they don't take that long. They take about, a, I think it's a, two minutes per wa per waffle. We can make two at a time uh, per waffle maker. Um, super simple. Uh, it It's just. It's it's awesome. People people love that. They really do. They just enjoy the smoked chicken and waffles. And there's nowhere around here that's doing barbecue brunch. So everyone's like, dude, this is so cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I that sounds fantastic. Comfort food, you know. Yeah. What, uh, let's say, God forbid, you had one day to live. What would be your last meal? Oh God, that's a great question. A lot of I ask all my chefs that question, you know, and and uh, half of the answers come back with something, some food that's not usually all of that fancy or interesting, but it had to do with like memories and family, like oh grandma's yeah. pot pie, you know, or something. Yeah. Honestly, I think if 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 I had one, like one day left, like it would probably be like. God. It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, dude, dude, you're, you're, you're <laughs> yeah. crushing it. Um, I don't know. That's a that's a, that's a really hard one, but it, so, it wouldn't be anything fancy. So some of the interesting ones I got were like, you know, the derogatory term for a woman's female parts, uh, yeah. sushi on naked bodies, um, uh, a Budweiser. Uh, one guy said something really cool recently, and it had something to do with his family. It's like, what would your last meal be? Like, uh, just no food, my family, just sitting with my family or something like that. But he said it in a way cooler way. I, I forgot okay. what he said, though. But a lot of people say steak that aren't thinking quick. Some people were like, oh, uh, I'll take like a, I don't know, duck, goofy things, you know. I, it all it all comes back. Remember that movie Ratatouille? Yeah, yeah. When the cr critic yeah, is like, the best you've got. Yeah. And when he eats that ratatouille and he shoots back to his childhood, it's like I could cry to that scene every time. It's so powerful. Yeah. Because like, you know, love and family is forget the food. It's about building memories. No, and the food's I think like I would actually do uh my dad does these like fried pork chops. And and uh they're they're pounded like super thin, right? So you take a chop, you um you butterfly it, then you pound it out so it's nice and thin. You uh, you bread it and then you you pan fry it, and they're just they're just so good, and it it's something that he's made since I was God. I mean, I'm sure he made it before you know I was alive, and it, <laughs> it's just like it always brings me back. Like I still make them, uh, but it always kind of brings me back to childhood when I eat them. Yeah, and memories. Yeah, exactly. So it's like. That's something that I would, I think that, that, that would be it. 
you know, a lot of these big fancy chefs across the country now are getting a lot of accolades and a lot of them are returning to the food that brings the memories. Like I saw a chef who was making Gwumki, that Polish, yeah. you know, the cabbage and the meat and, yeah. the, and the those are fantastic. And, and uh, but like unheard of in the fine dining world, but he was doing that. And they're like, we applaud you for doing something that really, you know, makes us feel good. Maybe not the, the best technique driven dish, but it's it's more than that, you know. I, I think that's pretty cool. But it's something I've been saying for like quite a long time is, is like, dude, look at French cuisine. What did it come from? It came from peasant food, right? Um, yeah. Italian cuisine, it was all peasant food. Uh, every I think every culture, like high end cuisine, eventually comes from peasant food, and then chefs take it to the next level because we want to make it pretty. We want to make it. We want to make it look. Like it's worth, you know, a million bucks <laughs> so that we can get a million bucks. You know what I mean? So we can get paid for it. But it, it's just one of those things where it's like we we make sure that our, you know, what we're doing is, is worth it. And um, I feel like that's kind of what barbecue is becoming right now. Because barbecue started as, I mean, like we, like we said, dude, it was a peasant, it was peasant food. It, it was, uh, nobody wants that brisket, just give it to the cowboys. It, it really is a shitty piece of meat, you know? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> nobody wants that, uh, you know what I mean? Like, nobody wants those the spare sausage, ribs. right? <laughs> yeah, just, just throw it over there, nobody gives a shit about that. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta cook it, you gotta braise it for a long time for it to break down. And that's what ended up happening. Yeah, lobster was like fertilizer, and yeah, yeah, it all changed. It all changes. And then it was like, no, no, you, you're, you're going to pay twenty four dollars a pound for this. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's the prices are getting insane. It's going to get now the barbecue is getting so popular. It's our prices are going to keep going up like crazy. And, and now that China is starting to eat beef more, and it's just like. Yeah, the days of cheap meat, I think, are long gone. America was living high off the hog for a long time, and now I think it's starting to level out a little bit. Well, I mean, like the big Great. thing time for our generation, right? I don't, Thanks. I don't know, if, I don't know if you saw it, or if you have seen this yet, or if you're feeling it yet. But I mean, there's that huge hog shortage in China because there was, you know, the 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 um, I guess there was some some uh, plague that killed off a bunch of pigs. So now they're starting to buy American pigs. Yep. And I mean, now there's that bidding war because they're like, well, we'll pay more money for it. Yep. And human nature says charge $8 for that bottle of water Woodstock, right? If you can get it, we're going to do it. And that's, it's unfortunate. Exactly. So, I mean, pork prices are starting to go up. Beef prices are going to go up. So it's like, shit. Yeah. Start. Start introducing more vegetables, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's like, man, you try going up with your prices, and the and the, the the critics kill you. You know what I mean? They're like, well, you know, this pulled pork is not worth that much, and it's like, dude, this pulled pork's worth ten times the amount that it should be worth because of how many people actually had had their hands on it, how long how long they had their goddamn hands on it. You know, it's like you don't put you don't make a pork shoulder in fifteen minutes. Right? Yeah. It, I mean, no, shit. It's, yeah, you're right. It goes you know, for we're, eight hours, we're, ten hours. 
we're screwed. We're 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 probably the most expensive in the country right now at thirty dollars a pound. Ooh. And uh, there's there's not a lot of room to go up on that, you know. So we actually are in a position where we don't sell a lot by the pound, but they're paying twenty five dollars a dinner, which we're putting down ten ounces, which is a really good sized dinner. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, we're going with Snake River um, Gold. Snake Rivers. So and I think we're the we're the only smokehouse doing Snake River Golds full time as our only brisket at at, uh, at our our prime smokehouse. But um, that price is going up. The guys already told me like you're getting really hooked up here, and then uh, in February it's going up. I can't go up on thirty dollars and twenty five dollars for a dinner. Right, so you go down to Texas, probably can get buy brisket dinners for seven bucks. You know. Yeah, that's the hard part, right? What do you do? Your prices are going up. Yeah, I think for me, I'd make the portion smaller. Try to keep the price the same, you know. Yeah. Give them more sides. Do something. Hey, Everyone gets a free link of sausage with their dinner, you know, <laughs> just to just to fill their tummies first. Now, do you guys um, do you guys make your own sausage in house with your trimmings? We do. Yeah. Yep. We do our own burgers, our own sausage, and uh, yeah, you know, when awesome. I got into the business, anyone could buy. It. A lot of places you go to smokehouse and like, oh, crying, the, the kielbasa is delicious. Yeah, we could all buy great kielbasa and heat it up for you. It's yeah. going to be delicious. But the craft of making that sausage from scratch and, you know, putting the um, the binders in it and having it come out with a good snap and delicious. Yeah. Yeah. My, one of our guys just did a shishito pepper cheddar sausage that is like, oh, man, I could I could eat it all day long. It's so good. You know, you know the hard part about making sausage, and, and it's it's one of the things that uh, I don't think people realize and don't credit enough, is when you're making a sausage, and if you don't season that thing perfectly, dude, you're fucked. Because no, yeah. as soon as it goes into that casing, there's no more seasoning. Yep. And then if you respect the animal and don't want to throw it out, then you cut it up into cubes and you throw it in the beans yeah. or your Brunswick stew or your chili. Yeah. But White I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, and if you're, if you're a person or if you're a, a, a chef that's making your own sausage uh, and you got a good sausage guy, man, it, that dude is, is golden because yeah. he knows how much, you know, um, seasoning has to go in and making sure that it, it, it it's the right quantity uh, meat ratio and making sure that that snap is there. There's just so many important things about a sausage. Like there's just there's a lot more to sausage than some people think. Yeah, no, and then and then we smoke our sausage. So you you don't want to you want to smoke it to the right temperature. Yep. Right. And uh, you want to smoke the right smoke at the right temperature. And then you know whether you're an ice bath man or not. Yeah, there's a lot of things that go into it, but. uh yeah, for us, we, we, we develop recipes so that if one guy is focused on R&D for a sausage flavor, he might be the one that nails it, but we come up with a recipe, we cost it, and then the recipe is not solid until someone else follows it and does the exact same sausage. This way, you're not tied to uh, – I learned that rest from a restaurant, a Peruvian restaurant, and uh, they had this green sauce that was like gold. You could put it on anything. You would drink this stuff, and the dishwasher was making it, and he wouldn't tell the owner. <laughs> what the recipe was. So they were held hostage by the dishwasher for this one sauce. It was the best part of the restaurant. And, uh, and they went out of business and the owners never got it. So I'm looking for that dishwasher. If you're out there, come hit me up. <laughs> looking for that dishwasher. Yeah. Seriously. It's funny that he was the dishwasher too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, 
But I mean, I think Anthony Bourdain said it. The, the the you know the most important things you learn in life is when you're a dishwasher. Um, we were actually at a um at a brewery doing a pop up, and it was kind of slowing down. Um, it was coming to the end of our basically the end of the end of the time that we were going to be there, and the bartender that was there was like slammed with drinks because there was a beer tour that came through and we had already fed the whole beer tour so they were just there for another like half an hour just trying to get drinks right and he ended up he was there alone and um you know glasses started lining up dirty glasses started lining up there's more and more dirty glasses dirt more and more you know and he's like man he's like i'm like he's kind of like looking at him like shit i'm not gonna catch up on these so i was like turn you know turned uh dishwasher on and i just started cranking out just washing glasses for him and i you know i caught him up and the owner was like you don't have to do that i'm like i totally know i know i don't have to do this (laughs) i go but we all started as dishwashers and i don't get me wrong i know how to go back to being one i'm like i'm not above washing dishes (laughs) you know what once we have a new restaurant once it gets running smoothly i want to make a documentary and i want to make the documentary about the real restaurant story. Like I want to go and interview some dishwashers and their crazy life stories. And I want to see the darker side of the restaurant business, the real hard, like this guy's going home. He's soaking wet. His back hurts. Oh, you know, people take him for granted. Like I want to hear his story, you know, Your hands are cracked. Yeah. I mean, you ever look at a dishwasher's hands? Dude, they're brutal. My hands were brutal when I was a dishwasher. Um, it, it, uh, I mean, you're, you're in water. Like all day long, <laughs> you know what I mean. And, and you're scraping the nastiest shit off of off of plates. Um, that's what it is, right? Just thinking about that next cigarette. <laughs> just thinking about that, yeah. Just thinking about the next cigarette that I can get. Uh, the that- fucking smoke break. I was a dishwasher in a uh, pizza restaurant, so it was a pizza pizza restaurant and pub, right? And. Uh, Man, I, I fucking love those days. Oh. But Man, it was. I, go ahead, sorry. I was gonna say, like where where it was, it was the dishwasher was like probably like fifteen feet from the pizza oven. So it was hot as fucking balls. You know what I mean? You got a six hundred degree pizza oven just cranking. Friday night, you're just washing dishes. Oh. And you're soaking wet. You got black mold growing all over the inside of your shirt. <laughs> yeah. So the only thing you're thinking of is, I mean, because I was, I was, I was young. I was too young to legally smoke. <laughs> so you're, you're thinking about your cigarette break. Let's be honest. And then you're also thinking about fucking taking a five minute break and walk in, <laughs> so you can cool the fuck down for two minutes. Yeah, I, I haven't worked the line in a while, but I remember just those nights where like. You know, an hour to go, and the only thing I'm thinking is, I can't wait till we're all sitting down in the back, smoking a menthol. You know, like yeah. And that cigarette tastes so freaking good. That's a tough life, man. Restaurant business is tough. Oh yeah, it is. But you it's know what? I I think it's um, I I say it I say it quite often. I go, there's got to be something wrong with you to to do to do what we do. And uh, I don't think I've met a chef yet that I haven't been able to prove that. And oh, yeah. some of my best friends are chefs. Yeah, we're all broken little toys, man. We are, don't, yeah. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. 
We, but you got you got to be slightly fucked up to do it. And you know what? I love it. I love every minute of it. Uh, the chaos and everything. It's just it it's it, it. I thrive in it. You know what I mean? Oh, um, it's and for me, I strive for the comma. When you get someone to say, "That's the best X I've ever yep. had in my life," whether it's a burger or the brisket or your pasta salad, it's like, it's like that gives me energy for so like a few days. Like that, oh, yeah. thank you so much. It makes it all worth it. Well, that's what I always say. I'm like, dude, when somebody says like, "That was the best," whatever. It's like, man, it being three degrees and cold outside and. Two in the morning wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because someone actually appreciated it, right? Like yeah. that, you, it makes you feel good. And that's, but you know what I mean. That's what it is. It's like, man, I guess, I guess that two in the morning wasn't horrible. Yeah, not being able to feel your fingers, and like the hard thing is being in the Midwest and, and cooking on cooking on the water smoker. Um, you know, you, you have to have water in your water smoker. And when it's cold, water freezes. So sometimes you're sometimes I'm manually filling that water smoker um, just to make sure that it, you know everything gets going. And uh, shit, you start spilling spilling stuff, and that water lands on your hands, and wind hits you. It's two degrees. It, it hurts. Yeah, you Chicago boys, man, you guys get some cold weather. Yeah, yeah, we do, but that's okay. That smoker, that smoker runs like a champ in the cold, though. It really does. It's probably and insulated. I think that's built in Connecticut too, if I'm not they mistaken. They are, yeah. They're built in Connecticut, up by you guys. Um, yeah, Kev's a buddy with the Mixon, so we got to meet yeah. meet meet him. So that was kind of cool. They're they're beautiful smokers. They're built up by you guys. They're 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 insulated fucking brick houses. They really are. Um, yeah. And they're heavy as balls. <laughs> <laughs> they really are but they're fantastic smokers so um i can't i can't say anything better or i can't say anything bad about them uh you know there, there's nothing really bad that i can say about that smoker because it, it it's my livelihood um and i love the fucking thing and it's just it's uh it really does hold temp really really nicely it, it it's insane when you got a cold ass day and you open those doors to, you know, put some shit into it. And then you close the doors and you just watch the temperature needle just go straight back up. And you're yeah, like, that's, oh, that's thank God. Yeah. You know, where so many smokers, I mean, like Kev cooks on a, on a lane. Man, it's going to take a minute if, if you get some cold air in there to, to heat that heat that heat that little baby back up. Yeah, I think I believe Kev's a purist, right? He he likes the idea of just going hardcore with it too. Yeah, we're all fucked up a little bit, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> but what what have I been seeing? So we I just took a recent cross country trip with um my with my old chef now Van, who's also friends with Kev. And uh, what I'm seeing more of now in the in the cities, even Kansas City, Austin, is you're getting this chef inspired barbecue. Yeah, yeah, it's becoming bigger. Yeah, where people are messing around, uh, you know, mac and cheese 20 years ago was like shredded yellow cheddar on top of elbow noodles, and like that was the mac and cheese. And now they're putting truffle oils and all kinds of like smoked gouda. Yeah. Next yeah. to the competition brisket, you know. We're doing we do we do a uh, we do a mac and cheese 
that rivals a lot of people's mac and cheeses. Uh, people love it. Uh, we smoke it, so we finish it off in the smoker. Um, and it's supposed to be my take on like a baked mac and cheese, you know? Yeah. And then what we do is uh, we crumble extra crunchy Cheez-Its on top of ours. Oh, no kidding, huh? Cheez-Its? Oh. You know what it was? I was, try- <laughs> I, I, I was playing around with a bunch of shit. And I was like, I tried, you know, the panko crumbs, you know, what all this stuff just to give it a crunch and nothing was hitting it. And then I was like, I was, e- I was eating Cheez-Its one day and I was like, what if I put Cheez-Its on top? <laughs> and I tried it and then everyone, like I, I made it for a bunch of people and they were like, yeah, yeah, no, that, 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 that's what you should do from now on. And we have yes. Yeah, that texture, that crunch, that's I'm sure that's a perfect match right there. It just and it, it just adds it, it it's perfect. Um and then recently what we've been doing is we've been doing uh a pulled pork mac, so pulled pork mac and cheese, and you know, we put we do the bed of mac and cheese, a nice little layer of pulled pork on top of it, drizzled with some barbecue sauce, and people just love it. People yeah. are like, oh my god, it just, it all goes together so well, the spice, the cheese, just everything, and it, it's just kind of starting to, like, layer it up. The other thing that we've been doing for for uh, for our catering menu is we've offered, we've been offering a uh, mac and cheese bar. Oh, cool. So you get, you get mac and cheese, and then you get your, you know, you get pulled pork as a topping, pulled chicken as a topping, um pork belly burn ends as a topping we'll do chopped brisket as a topping you know what i mean obviously there's different price points for all of it but it's just it gives you like that kind of cool like build your own kind of type thing and people are loving it the barbecue bowl yeah 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 Yeah, i've seen some people put that type that set up in like a mason jar where they layer it and uh whack 10 bucks at fairs and stuff like that yeah and it's going it's going over well you know what i mean people are liking it so if it's working, don't break it. No, don't fix it if it's still broken. Oh no, don't don't fix what's not broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's things. what we're trying to do. Yeah, we've got we've got a dish like that. We use uh, we deep fry bacon cubes, and we have like we make onion oh. string, and uh, so we good. mix that into the mac and cheese with like a little drizzle of sriracha and. Yeah, you whack fifteen bucks for it, but it's like it's ultimate comfort food, you know. And they go home with a a tummy ache. But <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You, you you put fifteen bucks on that, they eat it, and they're not hungry. No, forever. So they, exactly, forever. So they look at that and they go, "Worth it." Yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, we what you could sell if like if you're for fat kids food. That's what we call it. Like, yeah. More ridiculous you get with it, the more obnoxious, the taller that sandwich is. We're Americans, we love it, man. It's what sells. We get we get a little bit of shit for our pork belly burn ends. Some people think we're expensive. Cause we do we do four they're big cubes, okay? They're not like they're not like little tiny pork belly cubes. Like they're big chunks of, of pork belly burn ends. And we do four cubes for eleven dollars. And man, people will give a shit. They're like, "You're so expensive." And what cut of meat are you using for those? Pork, just pork belly. Oh, you're using pork belly for that? Okay, yeah, so yeah, not, yeah. not like the pork brisket that they got now. No, 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 no. So what we're doing is we're taking the pork belly, we're cubing it up, we're seasoning it, we put it inside the smoker, 
uh, let it go for about two hours um, until it gets nice and, you know, you know, rendered down. We take that out. We put it into sauce. We put it back into the smoker and let it kind of create like that Kansas City burnt end kind of thing just, you know, with a pork belly instead of a brisket. And then we serve it that way. And, man, people people will give a shit for it for the price, but then, they, then they'll eat it and they're like, dude, I can't finish this portion. <laughs> what how big are how big are your cubes? Uh they're probably uh probably an inch and a half by an inch and a half by an inch and a half, maybe a little bit bigger. Okay, yeah, and that's a very rich, fatty, like exactly. that portion. Yeah, that's gonna kill your stomach. Oh yeah, absolutely. It it, yeah. it I mean it, it it's definitely worth the money. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like for what you're getting, it it's it's hundred and ten percent worth the money. So yeah. Delicious. It's just funny when people are like, well, you know, and I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, how much do you pay for your bacon? And they're like, oh, well, we buy a pound of bacon for, you know, whatever, 10 bucks. And it's like, oh, and it's super thin cut. And you, you crush, you know, three fourths of the bag in one sitting, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. This is <laughs> literally the exact same amount. It's just better and you can't even do it. You know, somebody actually took the time to make this really good. Yeah, seriously. I've, I've been losing my shit on customers. Uh, if they're ordering this, they, we do a lot of Wagyu steaks. Oh, yeah. And in the steaks, some of these steaks cost us 50 bucks. Yeah. So you go to the table and you got these, a schmuck that will say, the temp's off. I order medium rare and you look at the thing and it's right there. It's less than medium, like close enough, just shut up and eat it. Take this steak back, make me a new one, throw it in the garbage. And I say, sir, an animal gave its life for that fucking steak. And I'll be damned if you're going to throw fucking $50 into the fucking garbage. Take it home to your cat, to your dog, your neighbor. Somebody's yeah. that motherfucker. So I'll make you a new steak, but we are not throwing that fucking thing out, bro. Yeah. No fucking way. Man, we, uh, that, yeah, that, that, that's the worst or the worst is when you like you get the complaint of of, of the person who like is on their last bite and like it wasn't that good oh yeah oh yeah you had to wait till the last fucking bite huh bro yeah (laughs) (laughs) you licked the plate but it wasn't that good i had this 65 year old guy one time as soon as we dropped the plate he had he ripped out a thermometer from his jacket oh he's smashing it around into the beans he's like look look at this temp and I'm like, sir, I didn't even look at the thing. I was like, sir, your meal's for free. I don't know why we didn't tell you that already. Because I, I wasn't going to get into this old guy, you know? Yeah. Like, obviously, sir, you just wanted free food because you had that thing out waiting before you even got the food. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I had one lady ask me, she's like, is, is your pork spicy? And I'm like, I mean, it has a kick to it. You know, it has rub on it. There's flavor. Um, I wouldn't say it's like spicy, spicy, but they, I mean, there's some pepper and there's some cayenne in there. Um, she goes, can I see it? <laughs> and she looks at, she looked at an order of it. I'm like, here's another order that's going out right now. And she's like, yeah, that looks spicy. <laughs> like, well, what does spicy look like? <laughs> Curiosity. Oh man! You know what I mean? Like I've never, I've never looked at pork and been like, "That looks spicy," or "That looks, <laughs> that looks mild." <clears throat> or the chicken is raw. Oh, we get that all the time. We get that. Uh, there's pink in the chicken. Yeah, <laughs> it's raw. 
Yeah, what, no, what percentage of your customers would you say are, are educated and you think it's getting any better? It's getting better now because I educate them. Yeah. So, like, it was funny. We were dropping off a catering order, and I educated the person who was buying it, right? I told her, I go, listen, there's times that there's our chickens come out pink. I go, it, it, there's, there's going to be pink in the chicken. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, listen, the chicken's completely cooked, 110% cooked. I go, but off the smoke ring, the way the smoke penetrates, it, it gives gives you a pink ring. And she's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. She's like, because her husband kind of, she he dabbles in smoking, I guess. She's like, oh, so kind of like when you get that pink ring in pork or in, in beef. And I was like, exactly. You're a smart lady. That was refreshing. And I'm like dropping it off and I'm, un, you know, taking taking foil off the top. And and you could see like a couple pink things, and her mom, I think it was her mom or her her mother in law, whatever, was like, "That chicken is so underdone," and she <laughs> literally like walked up to her and she's like, "No, it's the smoke ring." She's like, "They smoked it. They did not cook it in an oven," and I was just like, "Yes, I didn't have to do it. <laughs> like yeah, you did it for me." So, I mean, it's starting to slowly get out there. Like, the education is slowly starting to get out there. But I think with chicken is – I think chicken is the hardest because when people see pink, they just freak out. Yeah, absolutely. What's when I visited Chicago once, and I think, you know, it was all about the pizza, the hot dog. And I feel like I went to one other place. What, what's the barbecue situation in uh, Chicago so, right so we now? So, ha- we have some good barbecue restaurants. We have some cool guys that are doing some cool shit. Uh, but it's still not that much. It's still not not a huge. There's there's a lot of competition guys that are starting to get out there, and there's a lot of um, backyard warriors. But as far as like the restaurant scene goes, it's a lot of shitty barbecue. I, I uh, I'm <laughs> but there are some good ones coming up. Don't get me wrong. It's, I'm not saying that they're all shitty, but the, there are some. There's still some. You know, run of the mill. We put barbecue sauce on the ribs, so it's barbecue. Yeah, I'm looking at like Google Maps right now, and it looks like there's like 25 barbecue places in Chicago. It looks like a lot of. Yeah, we got we got uh, Barry who runs Smoke is a fantastic pitmaster, uh, Smoke Barbecue um, in Old Irving. That guy, that dude, that dude's doing some cool cool shit, and he's really doing a lot of good stuff for the barbecue community of of you know getting getting people uh, to know what good barbecue is. So uh, Barry's a good one. Um, we got, uh, Honky Talk Barbecue is still putting out some amazing barbecue. Uh, Lily's Q is putting out some good Q. Uh, my boy John out at Steamboat Barbecue. Uh, now they're, they're in the suburbs, but they're, they're putting out some amazing Q and, uh, they actually just got rated as one of the top briskets in Illinois. Oh, that's awesome. So, um, that's very cool. And he, he, it was on some like list of top briskets that you should try in Illinois. I know that's not really like a bunch of barbecue guys that are listening to this right now are like, yeah, but Illinois is not known for their briskets. So who cares? Uh, but I, I still think it's really cool. Um, there are some good barbecue places, uh, fire and smoke barbecue. They, they do catering and pop up places. Uh, their pit master's a little fucked in the head, but he's great. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that's, that's there, there is a slow barbecue scene kind of, kind of growing, and I'm hoping to be able to put to to move my my thing into either a tra- like a a trailer or uh, eventually a, a brick and mortar restaurant. 
Um, and it, it's slowly coming up. And I think the hard part is just educating the people on it. Yeah. Because a lot of Chicago's a hard, a hard city in the sense of there's so many damn options. You know what I mean? There's just so many options. And there are the people that are like, well, I, I want, you know, my friends are vegans. So we want a vegan option on your menu. Um, I'm just going to tell you this right now. If you're a vegan and you walk into my fucking restaurant and you ask me for a vegan option at a barbecue restaurant, I'm just going to tell you to leave. Um, and that's just being nice because it's like, dude, I don't come to your house and tell you how to cook, cook your fucking cuisine. You know what I mean? Like, sorry. I don't know if that's like being a total dick or what, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to have somebody tell me how to cook my cuisine and I'm not going to change my cuisine for anybody. Because you got to stay true to who you are. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm staying true of, of being a pit master of, of making sure that I cook the best barbecue I possibly can cook. So now do I like, you know, there are people that are like, Hey, I'm a vegetarian. I'm like, cool. Get our mac and cheese. They're like, yeah, I don't want mac and cheese. I'm like, I got coleslaw. <laughs> what do you yeah. want to eat like a rabbit? I'm going to give you rabbit food. If you want to eat the rabbit, I'll smoke it. I guess I'm, I'm a sucker. I love doing, you know, when we, we do it so much, the same stuff over and over. I love the opportunity to do something wacky and different, you know. I agree with you. I do. I do love that. I just, I, I, I just don't like vegans. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, we tried to make that jackfruit pulled pork the other yeah, day. Yeah, how'd that work I, out? I was not a fan at all. I thought it was disgusting. I've seen so many people do it. I don't have the balls to try it. No, it's. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's just. It's not even close to being as good as the real thing. It's terrible. Why even try to fake something? Like everyone's into like fake meat, this, fake meat, that. Like, and it's more it. expensive than the real thing. How does that make any sense? You know. Well, what's scary is like, man, you look at that Beyond Burger, or the Impossible Burger. Go read the fucking ingredients. I can only imagine. I can only it, imagine. It's like a mile long. There's so many damn ingredients, and you're just like, is any of this good for me? At the end of the day. All right, let's see here. So, what do they have? Water, pea protein, isolate, expeller pressed canola oil. What the hell is that? I don't know. Expeller pressed canola oil, cellulose from bamboo, methyl cellulose, potato starch, maltodextrin, yeast extract, gum arabic. Oh man, it goes on. Glycerin. Oh man, you're right. This is a very complicated. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's very terrifying. You want to know what I put in my burger? Beef. <laughs> From one cow. One ingredient, cow. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, I'm, I'm a big component. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I don't buy beef in those tubes. Um, no, no, no. You know, that's, coming you, from like, that's coming from, like, a, a, a thousand cows. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if you ever read it, it it'll say, like, on the um, – I was talking to somebody, and they were, they, they were, uh, they were like, no, 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 it's still okay. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, read the fucking tube. And if you, if you look at it, usually what, what it'll say is this is a product from, and it'll be like four different countries. So it's like, there's four different countries in this one tube. And you yeah, have no right. idea where that cow's coming from. Like, you got a 10-pound tube that come, came from four different countries. I, it's you, Here's some fun facts. <laughs> In twenty, let's see, more total more than us on our 
300 million cows were slaughtered in 2016 for food. Yeah, it's insane. That's a lot of cows. Yep. And yet, brisket's still going up. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it's, I hate it's. It's going to definitely affect my business. You know, we're all meat, and uh, yeah, it's. I might have to conform someday soon to like. All right, I got to start thinking of something else here, or I'm start doing jackfruit. It, it, yeah, it just got. It's just, or it just has to be adjusted in some way because who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen? Now, do you think? Not that you have a crystal ball, because if you did, you'd be a billionaire. Um, do you think it will be? that people will eventually understand and the consumer will be like, okay, cool. Um, this makes sense. Or do you think it's going to kind of fall into where we've kind of been going is that like farm to table where it's like people want to know, will want to know even more about where their food comes from. And in that sense, they will be, they will understand more. So they will justify the price better. I think you're going to have two types of people. You have those of us that, that do care and, and want to know where the food's coming from. And I think that movement is growing slowly. Well, it's at least a lot bigger than it was in the past. Yeah. But you have the, the other side of it where where price is going to play a factor. And I think now with the – I mean there's the more middle class. So I think you're going to have a class of people that it's going to be all about the price and they're not going to give a shit what is in that food. There's a McDonald's next to our restaurant. And twenty four seven, that line is just going, 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 and it's always it's always going to be like that. There's always going to be that that part of the population that's just going to not care. And I, I go to McDonald's too, so I think you're still going to have. Yeah, you're a chef. Most of us eat there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I but I think honestly, what's better for the world? If humans can get rid of all selfishness, right? We all worried about the planet and and the herd, not just our own selfish little needs which is never going to happen, like Cain's flu able, right? Yep. We could do that. Then, yeah, I think we are eating too much meat. Ooh, I didn't just say that out loud. Ooh, that's yeah. a hard one on this show. I know. It's a tough one. But, it, I mean, at the end of the day, 300 million cows, like, we have no respect for those animals, right? Okay, but here's my question. Are we eating too much meat, or is too much meat actually getting wasted? Oh, I can tell you we waste a lot, right? We waste a lot, for sure. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that are purchasing this meat, it's going, it's it's getting wasted. Um, there people are buying it and they're not using it, or they're not using it properly, and they're just you know not actually using the whole cow. You know what I mean? I feel like we need to start using more of the whole cow. Yeah, and you know what? So that the like my in laws. They're such picky eaters. There's a generation of like, no, I'm not going to eat. Oh, that's chicken hearts. I'm not going to eat that. We've been we've been so brainwashed into the way we eat that we're not as like open minded as like the French or other cultures. Like, you know, half the world will eat any part of that. In the Philippines, I think they have a bat soup. They throw the whole freaking thing in, the fur, the guts, everything. And like, we're very close minded. I went to college with guys from China that ate snake and dog. You know, we so I think you're right. I think it'd be nice if we start exploring those other parts of the animal. Because I think I think that's a big part of it is the fact that we don't um, we don't use the whole. You know, you know what I mean? Like we're not using all of it. You got um, you got a ton of people that 
I mean, steakhouses. Look, look at look at look at high end steakhouses, man. It's like, dude, there's only so many damn ribeyes on that steak. Yeah, it's right? terrible. And, yeah, and fillet is the biggest seller, and it's like one percent of the cow. Exactly, but they got to kill the whole damn cow to get it. Exactly. So it's like you got to figure out what you're going to do with the, those other cuts, and I think that um, a little bit, a little bit does come to us chefs. I, I think it is our responsibility um, as people that cook for other people to highlight the other the other things that we can actually make. And I um, I've talked to a couple like you know uh, ranchers and all that stuff when on this show and we, we we've talked about that and it's like man we need to start highlighting other things other things on the cow that people should want to eat because they're good you know what i mean so that you can sell more of the cow and not just be like well that'll be ground beef oh, that'll be ground beef you know yep. what i mean you can't make everything into ground beef. It just doesn't work. Yeah, we're very lucky that hamburgers sell so well. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it, there there are beautiful parts of that cow that you could make. And it, it, it's just, it's like, man, why, why are you not, you know, why are we not doing that? Yeah, I know. I just started getting into tripe and sweet breads and trying all these weird parts for pig gross we've always eaten the eye the brain the tongue you know it's it's almost like on a dare I'm like <laughs> oh tr try that you know okay i'll try it you try it if i try it yeah but uh yeah i mean tripe if when done right is it's a lot of fun to eat it's you know it's chewy it's but not when not done well it's it's terrible um but i've never had cow brain kidneys cow heart you know i've never tried any of that and i should that's you know, um, I've I've done cow heart. Uh, I've never done kidney. Some of the organ meat does scare me just a little, uh, <laughs> just because it's organ meat. But I mean, I'm sure I'd figure it out. Uh, cow tongue is fantastic. Um, you can do a lot with it. You can do a lot with cow tongue. I I live next door to these Russians in uh. There's a place. There's a town in Connecticut called it's New Britain, and it's a lot of Polish people, a lot of Russians, and my neighbor was from Russia, real old woman in her 90s, and she would get cow tongue loaf. And uh, sometimes she would bring me a cow tongue loaf sandwich. It was just stale bread with the cow tongue loaf in the middle. No mayonnaise, nothing. <laughs> okay. okay. And, uh, yeah, and I tried it, and it was like, yeah, this is all right, I guess. But... Hey, you know what? It, it, you tried it. It doesn't yeah. have to be you know, your favorite thing in the world. I would prefer veal loaf over the cow tongue loaf. Or bologna, but whatever. Mayonnaise would have helped a little bit. And then in France or wherever, there's a country where an animal, a baby animal is killed, and the grass that's like halfway down its intestines is part of the delicacy, you know. So other countries are definitely more adventurous when it comes to eating. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely are. And um, you know what? I, I feel like they also use more of the animal because they have it, to. It's you know? more valuable to them. Like for if you have a five dollar bill, you're going to get meat out of your car any time of the day or night in America. Yeah. If you're if you're in Morocco, they don't have something like that, you know. Exactly. And you you have to, um, 
you have to take advantage of, of, of what what's given to you. Yeah, I, I think they respect the animals more and that experience more than probably we do. Yeah. Unfortunately. But hey, you know, you gotta you gotta unfortunately we don't and we need to. That's what we need to that's what that's I think that's the big thing we need to change. And that's why I'm telling that sucker, take that steak home. Yeah. Don't, I mean throw it in the garbage, you jackass. Yeah, I mean, dude, come on. Like some poor cow got a piston through its skull to feed your ass. <laughs> and you decided that that wasn't good enough. You know what yeah, I just, mean? Like, just throw, throw it in the garbage. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Yeah. Like, you're just being an ass. That's all you're doing. And and that's... I mean... I think I've only really... Not done like not liked one or two steaks in my life and been like man this is super overcooked and there's there's steakhouses that you go to that are super overcooked sorry the guy didn't the guy didn't do a good job it's no one's fault he just didn't do a great job you know what i mean yeah. like i i usually i usually ask for my steak i'll be like i'll be I'll, i usually say i want it rare so I can get it medium rare. Yeah. Because I know yeah. what's going to happen. They're going to cook it last. They're going to cook it. It's going to go under, you know, a heat lamp for a minute, which is going to heat it up a little bit more. Yeah. And then it's going it, to, by the time it sits and does everything and hits my table, it's going to be medium rare to almost maybe medium with that carryover. So in the, uh, I don't know if it started in New York or whatever, but. So the new thing, and it's like uh, mid-rare, plus-plus, or whatever. Because steaks become so expensive, steakhouses don't want to risk overcooking. Okay. There's a new sneaky temp. So if you order it mid-rare, it's coming out undercooked. If you really want a true mid-rare, then you would say plus, right? Okay. So, so they're they're trying to undercook everything so they don't ever go over and have to throw the steak out. People are being more cautious because these steaks are getting more and more expensive for the restaurants. Of course, yeah. Like they're they're going up, and it's like, man, you really don't want to overcook. No, you can't. You can't. You can't fix that. There, no, there's there, there's no like. Oh well, let me. Uh, if you undercook and somebody's like, "Hey, this is undercooked. Can you just throw it on for another second? Yeah, sure. You know, sorry, this was undercooked. Let me just, let me take it back for a second. You know what I mean? Yeah. But once it's over, can't be like, let me throw it in the refrigerator for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely changes the flavor. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think that as at-home cooks are getting better and better, do you think that's changing the restaurant experience? Hell People don't know how to cook at home. They might, they might think they do, but I, where I'm from, our grandmothers and older people knew how to cook, and none of this next generation wrote down shit or knows how to cook. It's true, yeah. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. So now, I mean, you got like the Blue Apron stuff going on, this and that, but these kids, these millennials, they don't want to cook shit. I mean, you might have some that are into it, but a lot of recipes have been lost it's terrible. And, and in fact, the restaurant associations say less and less people are going to be cooking. 
But I think with, with the internet and YouTube and everything, if you want to learn how to cook, oh, my God, there's no better opportunity. You can become a chef at home almost these days, you know? Yeah. Just by Absolutely. watching YouTube. What are the five mother sauces? Beth V, B-E-T-H-V, right? Bechamel, yeah. tomato, hollandaise, velouté. I didn't go to culinary school, but I got the internet. <laughs> yeah. You know? Now, do, no, you, do you think that's helping or hurting our, the, the um, industry? I think the – I think – no, I think restaurant business can continue to continue to grow, but I think pricing and cost of everything is going to change a lot of stuff. Like, I want to research what fifteen dollar minimum wage did in Seattle. What are the pros and cons? That's 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 what's coming here. The days so, of making tons of money at a restaurant, yeah, unfortunately, they're long gone. Electricity is expensive, insurance is expensive, workers' comp, Social Security, Medicare, blah 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 blah, and and it's like fucking everything is expensive. But their small businesses are getting choked out. There's no more local tailors or Uncle Jimmy owns an office supply store. The only people that can afford it are these big corporations. All the bullshit overhead that they put on everybody. So the, the American dream is dead for the most part. You well, have to be very special to thrive and make it in this environment right now. Unless you come from a lot of money or can get lots of money. You know? Yeah. Back you could be like, oh, I'm going to open a bread shop. I'm going to run that shit, and that's my career. Well, no, you got to find 200 grand to start your restaurant now. Yeah, you tell know, me it, about it. It's too, it's too different now. It's too messed up. It's a new world order. Tell me about it, dude. I'm living it. <laughs> you want a brick and mortar, right? I mean, it's going to be yeah. tough. It's hard. No, yeah, I know. I totally get you. And that that's kind of where we're at. You know what I mean? It, it, it's a rough one. It's Especially expensive as fuck. I'm assuming Chicago is more expensive than the average thing too. It is, yeah. We are. Um, I'm staying out in the burbs for that reason. Um, in the city, I, I, I just can't fucking touch the city right now. I just can't. How close do you live to like you know downtown Chicago or whatever? Um, I mean down. To, I I can be in the city in 30 minutes. Uh, downtown's probably depending on traffic. Uh, if there's no traffic, uh, 45, 50 maybe. So you like if you had, like are you near like uh, Naperville, Gillette, Gary? Like where? where so, what, so Naperville um, is directly south. Okay. So I, I'm just more north. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it's gridlock. I mean, that's a big uh, Chicago's a big city, man. It's, it's a gigantic cute. city. We have we have a lot of fucking humans that live here. It's <laughs> insane. Um, Honestly, like, it's one of the dopest cities. Oh, in the whole country, though, it's fucking great, dude. Don't get me wrong; I love this city. But I only went there once, but like dumb expensive. That's the problem. It's getting dumb expensive. It, it's becoming that they're taxing the fuck out of it. They just put in a, um, which I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out. Um, they just added a two percent tax to like to restaurants, to to, to food sales, food and alcohol sales. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. What people don't get, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, but you're going to make more money now. They're going to make more money. It'll be fine, blah, 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 blah. People are still going to go out. Dude, here's the thing. People can't are going to for, – for a minute, they're going to keep going out, right? Yeah. They're going to keep going out, and it's going to be fine, um, and people people will keep going out. But what's going to end up happening is eventually that 2% – Right, it's gonna start creating a different budget for people. Am I yep. wrong? You're right, and and they're gonna start seeing it and going, oh shit, 
this cost me more money. This cost me more money. Okay, maybe I can't. Instead of going out 10 times this month, maybe I'm only going to go out eight. Yep. So that means maybe my restaurant that you were going to come to now gets cut from that list, right? And then it's you're not spending $50 at my restaurant every month. Now you're spending $50 every two, maybe three months at my restaurant. Well, shit, now I need more people. So it's a, it's a rough game in Chicago. You know what I mean? So we'll, I want to see – I'm, I'm very interested to see where it goes, where that kind of um, – where, where, where it leads people. If, if restaurants are going to say like, fuck it, I'm out. You yeah. know what I mean? Or, I think or what's you, and I, you and I will bitch about that 2% all day long. And the grand scheme of things like New York City, San Francisco, what's really happening is – the two classes of people is really getting exposed. Like you oh, and that's I are big here too, though. Big, big. Is, is it same? Yeah. I assume. I assume in all major cities, it's going to start. Like, who's going to go buy a seventeenth floor apartment downtown Chicago? I know in San Fran in New York, you're coming from a different country because you got the money. You're a millionaire from a different country. Yeah. Or you're a millionaire here. There is no more mom and pop. I'm going to go move to the city. Yeah, it's hard. So for for I don't know where you come from, but my class of people were actually getting squeezed out. And push to the side, mm-hmm. and so all these little, two, two little taxes and all these little things they're doing. Well, that's just—it's called social engineering. Now, a lot of people think it all makes sense, but the real smart guys, the real ones that are running all this, they know exactly what they're doing. Absolutely. And, and uh, there's too many of us. There's a lot of humans on this planet, and some people like two percent means nothing for some of these people dining out because, sure. relatively speaking, you know they they have way more money than we do. Sure. But though for those of us that can't afford it, it's too expensive here or there. Next thing you know, you're moving further out from the city so you can afford it. And then you've been totally – now you don't have the waterfront like they do, right? Yep. And that's kind of that's kind of what, what is slowly happening. I mean, Illinois – not to get into a politic war, but fucking Illinois politics are horrible. And uh, we're like the most moved out of state in the last century. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure Connecticut's not far behind. We're terrible over here, too. No, I think you guys are, like, right behind us. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, dude, if it wasn't for friends and family, I'd be out. Yeah, I know. No, yeah. That, that's kind of how it is. Man, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast, hanging out with us, and chatting barbecue, chatting restaurant industry. It was fucking way too much fun. We're going to have to have you back. Um, awesome. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. So I like to end this show with, with a very interesting question. And everyone gives different answers, and that's what I love about it. If you could go back into your cooking slash barbecue career, knowing what you know now, what are three tips you would give yourself to shorten your your learning curve? Mm. It's a good one, right? It's a hard. It's it's almost like yours, and I think I might actually steal yours after this podcast. I'm going to start stealing it and asking, "What would be your last meal?" Because that is a that is a fucking fantastic question. All right, so three three tips I would give myself to make to make cooking easier. Say that one more time. Uh, three tips to shorten your learning curve. So it can be it could be about restaurant industry. It could be about cooking. Just what would be your three tips? Um, dear Chris, eight years nine years ago, develop systems because the staff turnover is me seventy five percent per year. So yep. develop systems and training programs. And don't be afraid to publish your recipes and video of everything you do because it doesn't mean that that's important. All right, so training and systems, 
do that, Chris. Um, hospitality is the most important thing for you. So if you screw up the food, but you you the people feel like you're part of their family, they'll still keep coming back. Yep. And third, to shorten patience, low and slow. Like just let that meat. It's gonna do what it's gonna do, and when it's ready, she'll be ready. Give it the love. Don't rush it. That's the kick to the street. That's the trick to barbecue. That is so true. Dude, man, thank you so much. That was fantastic. And if you could do me one last favor, can you tell everyone where they can follow your journey on the internet, where they can find your restaurant if they're in the Connecticut area and all that kind of fun stuff? All right. Yeah, we have two locations. We have Taino or Taino Smokehouse in Middletown, Connecticut. It's only a 900-square-foot facility. we got like a 20-foot outdoor brownstone grill. Oh, uh, it's a lot of fun. And then we opened a new location, uh, Prime, in Meriden, Connecticut. And we have the first of its kind, uh, non-NSF, non-UL certified stone pit inside a commercial building, I think on the whole East Coast. Um, How the hell did you guys get that? Uh, I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> uh, uh, we have a dry aging room. We have a bar. Um, we just started doing a, a steakhouse side to it. We have a bakery. So I love food and I love people and hospitality. And I think uh, I think food should be used as a tool to bring people together to build memories because when we're old on a rocking chair someday, the only thing we have left is memories. That's a good one. That is true, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We loved having you. You guys are awesome guys. If you're in the Connecticut area, make sure you check his restaurants out, go there, dine there, support him. He's a fantastic human, amazing chef. Chris, thank you so much. It really means the world to me that you were able to give me some time today. Thank you, man. And enjoy your uh, your January and February.